0: Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Follow at your own risk. And joining me as always, I got to get his intro right now, is the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamara Tisby, what's going on, brother?
1: Hey, man, it's really good. It's really good. I'm sitting here in the same room with you. Look, man, <laughs>
0: the energy is tight. The energy is exciting, and you know, I have to say, brother, I didn't even mention it in your intro, but congratulations for being the founder of the Witness because this is a special episode. This is a special episode. Very man. special episode. We gonna reflect. I, I need you. Here's what I need you to do for this episode. I need you to pull out your blanket. I need you to recline. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to prop your feet up. I need you if you got a fireplace. I you need to listen to this at night with the <laughs> fireplace. Just get you a hot cup of cocoa. We're going to do some reflecting. This is like fi- witness fireside chats, mm. okay? This is what this is, okay? We are celebrating 10 years as an organization. I need some sort of sound or something. <laughs> 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 Yeah, like an air horn. We should have let Bo just put. We should yeah. let Bo put this. He'll do it. He'll do it, and us,
1: because <laughs> he likes to embarrass us.
0: Right? Exactly. Ex- Man, Ten years, bro. Look at us. Ten years. Look at us. Who knew? Who would have thought we would been here? Not me. Not me. Not me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> bro, 10, Ten years. Do, Ten years. October 2011. I've told this story many times. Okay, hold on, said, on. So, on, so on, this on, is a rare No 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 occasion hold on hold on. I, I need you to really tell the story. I need you to
0: really tell the story. <laughs> oh listen, wow, so first wow, of all, wow. before we get into that though, <laughs> we just wanna say, we'll say it at the end, but thank you for supporting us to Y'all this are point. Awesome. Thank you. You are the reason why we are here. We are incredibly grateful to the Lord for preserving us for 10 years, and we know we've been through so much as an organization, and there is a diverse coalition of people who are listening to us and interacting with what we do, and we have shifted our mission and vision, we'll talk about this, to be for Black Christians, and that is something that we're so excited for and excited to focus on. So Jamar, that's what we do here. We tell the story. That's that's our favorite phrase now on the BCC team. Tell the story. <laughs> good, that's what we good. desire to do. Yes. So- Jamar tell this story. Like tell the details, man. What were you drinking? Like, what was what was your laptop back then? Y'all, you know. this is so
1: rare because Tyler hates it when I go back and I talk about the old days. He's like, yeah, we've been we done that before, no, no, man. No, I, he's I, giving me I, the no, opportunity. I hate no. when you talk
0: about the days before I was even thought of as a person. Okay. <laughs> if Tyler ain't in the story, it ain't a story. Nah, clearly, I ain't saying clearly. That. I'm just saying don't don't talk about that. You know, don't talk about the roots. Like he's like in the 1700s, we was uh uh-uh. uh. It's the witness <laughs>
1: <laughs> listen, listen, I can make it all relevant, but but, yeah, man, that was an incredible time, so, so, I had been a middle school teacher and a principal as my first career. Long-time listeners know this, but I never really talked much about it. So for three years, I was a middle school principal. Finally, in 2011, I went back to seminary. I say back because I had started mm-hmm. at Reformed Theological Seminary in the Orlando campus. This time I was going to the Jackson campus primarily because there was a church there that was um, Reformed Presbyterian and was led by a Black pastor. So I wanted to work at that church, right? So... so um wrap up the school year in uh, the Delta, Mm -hmm. move down to Jackson, Mississippi. And man, it was like I had been released. So the thing I loved about education was the kids, and the impact. Mm. So, you could see from year to year the difference you were making, whether it was students who had learned more and grown, whether it was families who uh, came to be huge supporters of the school, whether it was even the infrastructure because we built buildings and fundraised and brought teachers and they rented homes and apartments and all that stuff. So, I loved the impact. I loved as a principal building school culture and all that stuff. What I didn't love I felt tethered. Hmm. Hmm. I felt tethered to a particular place, that I had to show up at a particular time. I won't say I had to leave at a particular time because those days were long, right, 10, right. 12, 14-hour days. And uh, it was burnout culture, all of that stuff. So, so at this point, you know, I'm almost 10 years in to a career, and when I went to seminary, I just had all of this like creative energy that I could now, hmm. release Right. It was, I, I didn't expect it. So the Jamar that people like think they know now, like the, the writer, the, the guy who's doing XYZ, all this different stuff, that wasn't me before because all of that energy had to be poured into being at school, being yeah. an administrator, taking care of making, making sure folks were safe, making sure we were moving the curriculum, all that stuff.
0: And you have a you have a very founder's impulse as well. You're always thinking about what's next. I to guess so. Start I don't know and begin and build and plant, dude. And so yeah. it, it that makes a lot of sense now Bruh. to know that you branch out from that to start something. What what what's
1: wild to me is we I think we were taking like summer Greek and Hebrew. So this is before the fall semester even started. I had already come up with the idea for the African American Leadership Initiative at the seminary, <laughs> exactly. Which yeah. is gonna long story, but it's eventually how you and I met, exactly. And then um, that fall, in the midst of my first semester of classes in a new city, first time not in uh, 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 the the public education sector, and. Come up with the idea for the reformed African American network. And I think all I was trying to do at that point, this is 2000, this is even before Trayvon Martin, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're in a different era culturally in many ways. And when it comes to race and justice, I think all I was trying to do at that point is like raise my hand and say, Hey, present right. here for black folks, right? right? And say, I wasn't trying to create something alternative or, or separate. I was just trying to say, hey, we're in the room. Hmm. And guess what? You know, we got some things we want to talk about and things we want to say.
0: That's powerful. So you're trying to say we're here. Yeah, just, that's just, that was it. So <laughs> this, was, this started as a Facebook page. A
1: Facebook page, Not yes. a
0: blog, not a podcast. None of not that. Jamar traveling the world. None Not a best-selling author. Just so, a Facebook page. I mean, the
1: ecosystem at that time, blogs were huge, right? So, so we're in a different... Mm-hmm kind of era now where it's more there's 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 tons more available but it's also more self-selecting people don't really surf the web anymore right right like you download the app or you subscribe to the network or the newsletter or whatever you get what you want Mm -hmm. at this time it was blogging Hmm. and you would go on the internet to particular blogs and check them every day every week to see what was latest what dominated the the landscape at that point were blogs like Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition and a few others. And what I was Trigger looking warning. at was that. Trigger warning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is taking us way back, right? Um, what I was looking at is how rarely they addressed any issues that had to do with black people. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so the Facebook page was simply about saying, Hey, there are stories out here that are relevant to us as black Christians, in particular uh, in the reformed tradition of Christianity, right? That we want to highlight. Mm -hmm. And so I can actually, I, I did a search and as far as I can tell, our first Facebook post was October 26th. 2011. Oh snap! We going. We going there. We going. Look, I'm a historian. We got to go to the primary source research. Well, you spent probably like five six hours looking up <laughs> this Facebook. Don't go look this up, y'all. Don't I could look be this wrong. Up. There might be a different post that's number one, but uh, the earliest one I could find was October 26, 2011, and here's what it read. The legacy movement brings together some of the foremost reformed African American teachers and artists. (laughs) (laughs) You laughing already? (laughs) They host an annual conference that will take place in June 2012, next year. Find out more by clicking the link. If you go to the link, it's dead now, it's just so old. Right. It got a grand total. Of one like, ooh, them impressions was
0: <laughs> popping. But Everybody. one like back then, you know, that's yeah. like a thing. Hey, it's like somebody noticed. So somebody's right? like, wow. So, um, so this is interesting because this actually intersects with how I found out about y'all, and I found out about y'all not because I was looking for reformed black folks, but because y'all kept posting about Christian hip hop. Mm. And so I was a I was a Christian hip hop journalist at the time. And so I thought y'all were becoming a, a journalist. So you have to know everybody. Right, right, right. right so I right, thought y'all okay. were becoming a journalist. So reached entity. out like a reporter. Okay. No, so I thought, well, no, I actually thought y'all were becoming like a competitor. Oh. Because of how much y'all. I didn't know that part. Because of how much y'all posted. So I actually liked the page so I could follow. <laughs> because so I was like, they'll probably the have like a Christian hip hop arm. They'll probably do this. And it's not even being territorial. It's just, you have to know who's in your field. <laughs> and so at that time, I was writing hundreds of articles. I wrote probably three hundred articles in two years or something, My two, goodness. three years. Yes. Um had sixty, seventy interviews uh with, with Christian hip hop influencers, rappers, producers, record label owners, uh, did stuff on site, traveled, did all that. And so as a result, I was looking around and I was saying, okay, who are the people I should be following? So there were, there were some big Christian hip hop websites at that time that I could follow. But then y'all started popping up and it was very specific because y'all were four black people Mm -hmm. or y'all were four African Mm -hmm. Americans. Mm -hmm. And so that piqued my interest because it made me, you know, kind of take a step back and think, oh, snap. So this is going to be a little bit different because much of Christian hip hop as an audience, which people don't know, was white. Yeah. So it was a white audience, white churches, white youth groups, and even actually white owned, too, Mm -hmm. in some cases. Mm -hmm so as a result, I was looking around. I was like, okay, who are these guys? And so y'all just kept posting about stuff. It's it's like every other post was music. So yeah, me, yeah. I'm always thinking strategy. So I'm thinking, okay, they're posting this because they're priming the pump to launch a hip-hop <laughs> blog or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm following. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this seems like very deep theologically. Like this seems very like you know, y'all posting sermons here and there. I was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different. (laughs) And so it's funny because y'all posted that and I totally forgot about your existence until we met. <laughs> Very
1: good, yes, it was working so so I mean it, part of it was bandwidth right like i don 't know what I'm doing tech-wise. i 'm doing tech wise i couldn 't set up a website i didn 't have the the time to to write regularly i didn 't know what I would write, right, so we were just trying to get the word out like that like here there 's black stuff that pertains to Christianity and in, in this case, reformed theology. Um, this was also at the time when uh Philip Holmes and I we were mm-hmm. in school together. And so we were I mean, we were ace boon coon, we 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 saw each other every day, multiple times right. a day, and we were just sort of spreading the word about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then um we finally got to the point where we could launch the website.
0: Yeah. So 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 the website was that 2012, 2013? Around was 2012, okay. yeah. Late
1: 2012.
0: And what was that intended to be? Because so you had this curation. But y'all intended to just have a set home for mm-hmm, all that you were mm-hmm, doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we
1: wanted to, at least in my recollection, obviously expand beyond Facebook because there's only so much you can do. Um, to me, the big part of the website was we could create our own content. Hmm. We started, I didn't realize this at the time, but we started to have agency and control right. over our voice, right. over our mic, if you will. Mm-hmm. That was our first microphone. Was the website, and uh, even then, you know, it was sporadic. I could show you, <laughs> I could show you the first logo, bro. No, I'm trying to see that. It was brown background with light brown writing. Oh, I it think I remember this. I it think looked, I remember this. It.
0: <laughs> it looked terrible. Yeah, it looked like a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, I, think I remember. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
1: and uh, but 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 it was just it was tangible. Mm. It was real. It was something real. It was different too. It was very different. So
0: then we meet in 2012, and at that time, you and Philip. I actually met you separate from Philip, mm-hmm. and then I met you both together in 2013 um, at TGC. And people know some of that story because of your oh, Leave Loud episode. The 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 thing I wanted to mention before that
1: was the name. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about oh, yeah, yeah, oh this yeah, is yeah. a black thing, right?
0: Because everybody didn't like the name. No. Even though reforms was popping at that right. time. Right, right. So, so it was dope to be
1: reformed. That got you in the door. Right, right, right. That was cool. So, so at so like I mentioned before, our first post was about the legacy conference. So at the legacy conference in 2012, there was this big argument in the main like mingling area with I remember most prominently KB was there yeah yeah but uh basically folks were arguing, should reform be in the name, and should African American be in oh, the
0: name Oh, they were arguing about the organization about
1: the name of the organization okay, so how,
0: how did this yeah. happen?
1: i don't know how it came up, but at this point, people had started to know about us right from the Facebook wow. page and then uh we were we were still in very much the identity building phase. Who right. are we going to be? And folks were just asking about the name. Reformed African-American Network at that time was very provocative. Hmm. It was provocative. If you were black, you were like, why are you saying reformed? There are so many people who the, 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 the point of contention was if you put reformed in the name, um, there's two reactions from black people. Either it's what the heck is reformed? Hmm. They have no category for it. Never hmm. heard of it. Or they have heard of it. And it's like, why are you with all those white folks? So it was like a negative. This is interesting. So
0: I was not here for this. No, so this mm-hmm. is new for yeah. me.
1: This is this is this is different. So it was like a, a knockdown dragon. It was argument. a knockdown dragon. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about like people. Whoever the main interlocutors were, there were only maybe four or five of us that were actively talking. But we It gathered a crowd, wow. man. It was like it was like it was like a fight in the lunchroom. You know, <laughs> it wasn't negative or anything like that. We were just Going back and forth, animatedly as Black right. folks do,
0: right. and uh, and it drew attention. It was like its own conference session. <laughs> you know what's so interesting about this and fascinating is the fundamental nature of how Black Christians, and I'll just say Black Christians in particular, have to constantly reaffirm, reapproach, and reframe our identities mm. in every moment. Mm because it's funny because that conversation in 2012, 2013 in that conference the the conversations will be different every other year or every year but they will be the same conversations we have. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same the conversation is how do we be in light of something broader that we're a part of? Man, look. How do we yes. how do we exist? Like who are we? How do we identify ourselves? What do we say? What are the things that make us us? And that is the constant question of every black Christian in a white evangelical world trying to reframe how to live and be in light of white supremacy. And so it's, it's almost like that in and of itself was a microcosm of why we exist.
1: Huge, huge. I, I love the way you put that. Um, that's precisely right, because in many ways, we're still having that same conversation. How do exactly. we be yeah. in light of this broader thing, particularly white supremacy, that's
0: happening around us and 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 uh, right in our vicinity. So, and so we meet in twenty twelve, and then the organization kind of takes off in twenty thirteen because we had that retreat in Jackson. And after that retreat in Jackson, it seems like the organization. kind the LDR had some, is that one, the one you're talking no, about? No, remember we had this private retreat when we were relaunching. Is that twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen? Okay, so late twenty thirteen, early twenty fourteen, we have this retreat. Y'all invited me out to this retreat at Jackson. And I remember I was like, it was it was a group of us. That was the first place I met Bo. He pitched the idea for passing the mic. And I was looking around. I was like, oh, this is cool, but I didn't know why I was there. I think they wanted to me to do some social there? media. Phil was there. Um, Alicia was there. Um, uh, Baba was there. Yeah, yeah. It was like wow. it was like seven seven of us. And it was like the crew. How did we get y'all there? We didn't have no money. <laughs> well, so it's interesting. Phil basically like strong armed me said, you have to be there. And I was like, why? He said, because you have to be a part of this new thing. And so I don't know why. I just drove up. I don't even remember where I stayed. <laughs> I just drove up. Oh, yeah. I think I stayed in like the spare bedroom at Baba's house. Uh, and so I, I just stayed in the spare bedroom. I think I remember this. And now. then we got up and we did a photo shoot. Yes. We did a photo shoot. So that was like some of our early... Thanks. We're trying to relaunch The the Witness. Then we're talking about podcast guests or relaunch reforms, rant, ran, And so it's talking about podcast guests. We're talking about conferences, events. Could we get on main stage at TGC? All this stuff. And I'm new to this whole world. And then both sitting across from us. He's like, there was an idea. Yeah, So I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, you know, and all this. And Phil's like, oh, could we call Pastor Mike and all this? And I'm like, and there was so much energy, but it was whiplash because I was like, I don't know what this is because I'm not a part of this world. And then y'all were trying to get me to join AALI and, and go to RTS. Yeah, too. we were. <laughs> and so that was very interesting how all that kind of shifted. And it it it's like that gospel coalition moment in 2013 that we talk about in your Leave Loud episode. It's like that propelled you to say, okay, we need to relaunch this and reset this. And maybe we should, it's funny. I We need to go back and look at these pictures because it is hilarious. I need to show you these pictures, bro. It is so funny. It is so funny. We were. It was like black and white pictures. <laughs> we were like sitting there in black and white smiling. It was in like this field. And so it had like this barn behind there, or something. I don't remember, bro. It was hilarious. We got to find those.
1: We got to find those.
0: Oh, my goodness. I remember.
1: Hey Tyler, you know what's wild? October 2021 marks the 10 year anniversary of The Witness, a decade of this ministry, bro.
0: 10 years, a decade of blogs and podcasts and events. I'm so excited, man, to celebrate 10 years. You know what, I think it's time to do another push. For our Patreon community, I'm because saying. after ten years, our Patreon community needs to blow up. It needs to explode. Yes, yes. You know what I was
1: just thinking? A great anniversary gift would be hmm. if you became a patron and go to Patreon.com forward slash Pass the Mic.
0: Yes, just for one dollar per episode, you can continue to fund the next ten years yes, of the, the, the witness, next the next ten, 10 years, years of like all the these great podcasts and events and conferences. Go to Patreon.com forward slash pass the mic and give just one dollar per episode and let's get us up to 200 patrons because if not i'm gonna quit the show oh boy thank you so go. much i appreciate it Wait.
1: 2013 was, I guess, a pretty pivotal year. What what stuck out to me, we went to, it was either our first or our furthest conference um, as an exhibitor, and it was the Desiring God Annual Conference. Ooh. It was September 2013, and it was the whitest conference I'd oh, yeah, ever been to. that's a special
0: to. level of struggle. That's a special But <laughs> it was the whitest conference I'd ever TGC's been to. Because TTC's in Orlando, so it's like, they at least trying, like, well, you know
1: yeah, so this was up in Minneapolis. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But it wasn't just that. It was the conference theme. Oh, it was okay. God, life, and imagination in the work of C.S. Lewis, was the wow. conference theme.
0: Yeah. Ain't no black people going there. None.
1: And we, I, we were there. And I remember. All respect to Clive Staples, but ain't no black <laughs> right, people right, going Right, 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 right. And I remember we drove up. It was it, drove to, it, to, it, it to was Minnesota from, from Jackson, Mississippi up to Minneapolis. It was at least 14 hours, if not more. And so drove up and drove back. And I remember on the way back talking about the podcast, talking about the idea for the podcast. And wow. so, like, that's what we gotta do as far as the next big thing, the next so big medium.
0: What was the first episode of the podcast?
1: <laughs> so so we had an episode queued up. It was like an interview style thing. But then Reformed white Christian's going to reform white Christian. And there was this conference, all white dudes, all white male panel, mm-hmm. and they trashed hip-hop and rap.
0: See, see, this is why I thought y'all was a competitor. Y'all were a competitor. Okay, number one. This is a side note. Okay, y'all kept trying to talk about Christian hip-hop, but I remember this. So they kept talking about it culturally being like... The, the What was it? The, the Last Gasp or something? The Dying Breath of a Culture or something? It, I don't remember. The Death Rattle. Death yeah. Rattle. Yeah, the Death Rattle of a Culture. Yeah, so I remember this. And then y'all did an episode on that. Yeah, it was... Look, bro, even if you heard it today, if you heard what these folks
1: said, it, it would sound just as trash now as it did then. We mm. weren't overreacting. It was just that bad. They were basically saying... It, it, they were asking the question, can hip-hop be Christian? And they were talking not about the content. They were talking about the medium and the form of hip hop. And they broke it all the way down to instrumentation and bass and beats and how that wasn't sanctified basically <laughs> and said, <so> you couldn't <laughs> right. be that. And, 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 and all of us, like uh, again, you know, early, early 2010s Christian hip hop or however you want to term it, it's huge mm-hmm. at this point. Right. So, so it felt like a personal attack. Particularly against black people. And so yeah, we had um I think that was actually a video conversation. We had several folks on there.
0: But yeah, that was the that was the first one because we had to launch it because it was timely. Everybody was talking about it. So I do also want to acknowledge and and talk about something that will be a shift. The podcast started yeah. out of a response to irresponsible comments about something that is for us. Yeah. And by us. And about us, but something that we created and had an intimate, our people had an intimate role in shaping. And we're responding to someone saying we're not allowed to.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
0: And that's how it started. That's not how it stayed. Right. But right, that's right. how it started.
1: But that's a recurring theme.
0: It, it is, right? <laughs> so time elapses. And so the podcast starts taking off, right? So the podcast starts jumping a little bit. I think y'all had me on, the first episode y'all had me on for was a, I think it was the fourth episode, fourth or fifth episode. I remember I recorded, I had no mic. Huh. I was I was literally like speaking into my laptop. Oh speaking. my. We, we got to find this somewhere. It was hilarious because I was talking about a, a book. What was I talking about? I was talking about a book like trends on the internet or something. <laughs> I think it was like a Rushkoff book or something. I was talking about like Douglas Rushkoff and this book they wrote, talk about trends on the internet and everything. And Phil was like, wow, that's really interesting. You know? <laughs> and i have never like, been on a podcast before. i have never real, been on a podcast before. So I was oh, just like, oh, okay. Well, I'm thinking this is just like a conversation that we have, you yeah. know? Like it was hilarious, bro. And so that was the first, my first interaction with it was actually being on the podcast was a guest.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well you stood out even then. I mean, I I didn't even know that was your first time on a podcast, but you just had a presence and an insight which which is very evident now. But even in those early days when we we're trying to figure out what the heck this podcasting thing was, shout out to Bo who sort of held our oh, hand man. throughout on, that whole thing. Right. So he's with us right now as we're recording hey. this. Um and then and then but in those early days, like he's the dude who knew what this medium and this platform could do and encouraged us in it. But there was a dynamism when you were on mic with us that was very sort of tangible and, and present. So it was, it was, it was easy to wanna say, like, we need Tyler involved.
0: Dude, let's talk about some of these moments, man. <laughs> the witness has been go. around for 10 years. Here we go. And this was kind of the, the genesis and the origin of Reformed African American Network past the mic. Okay, so we have that since in that 7 years, 8 years after that. What have been some of the milestone moments for you? What are the moments where you said, "Wow, I can't believe we're doing this." Or, "Wow, this is a big deal." Okay. So, first off, as a medium, podcasting was a lot more nimble than
1: our website. So, so if something popped off, we could we could we could text message and say can you show up at this place in this time right, and record, right? right? So, so we were able to be a lot more responsive to what was happening. I would say a massive milestone moment w- or season, really, August, or August 2014, Mike Brown is killed hmm, hmm. by a white police officer in this place called Ferguson, Missouri. And Black Lives Matter as both a statement and a movement becomes a national phenomenon. Right, right. And that was, so we had rumblings of it with Trayvon in 2012. But then in August, and then you saw these pictures. Like, can we go back to that time? Because it was fresh for for our generation. Yeah, absolutely. You, You saw these pictures of unarmed protesters, angry, legitimately angry. That man's body laid in the street for hours. Yep. Being confronted by police armed, they call it riot gear. It's military gear. Mm-hmm. You see, you see it, the town burning, and what you actually see is the eruption of decades of anger. Mm-hmm. We hadn't, in my lifetime, we hadn't really seen anything like that since Rodney King in the early nineties. Right, but stuff had kept happening. And it was building up and build, building up, and then, like I said, we had Trayvon, and then you get Mike Brown. And then you get, in response to Black Lives Matter, so this is the, the onslaught that we got, um, which was a microcosm of what was going on nationally. You say Black Lives Matter. Not only would people say all lives matter, it was particularly white evangelical Christians— that we're saying all lives matter, right? right? And now we know we can look back and, and, and sort of um, understand white Christian nationalism and evangelicalism more as a socio-cultural movement than a theological movement and see why that was. But in that moment, when we're feeling all the feelings, when we're wanting things to change, this is my impression, um, when you had that retort or Blue Lives Matter, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, here's the, here's the other part. We had been on this racial reconciliation tip for a minute mm-hmm. since the late '80s, early '90s, and now I would say fall of 2014 is when you started to really see it crumble.
0: Yeah, and, well, and actually, that was a moment—you know, fall of 2015—where I was like, I can't be a part of anything that doesn't that is attached to reformed. Right. That was the moment because there were a couple of conversations post that where all of the people who I looked up to had insufficient responses to the pain that we were feeling not yep. that they had to agree lockstep we didn't even know at that point you know what was the solution or what was the thing that we should be doing what should yep. we be focusing our energy on in a particular space but i was like i there wasn't I can't even be empathy a part of it. i can't be a part of a, a space where there's no empathy so i knew it then even if i didn't know it
1: couldn't name it, yeah.
0: Couldn't name the specifics. I said, we got to change. We yeah. got to leave this space because this space is no good for us. That's why I and, said it
1: began to crumble, yeah.
0: And that's when I started saying, yo, we got to change the name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that early, yes, yes, yes. So that went on for quite some time. I mean, you know, those protests and 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 the quote-unquote debates about it. Right. And, and, and you know, white evangelicals and reformed evangelicals, they
0: started to show their full selves. And I have to talk about another thing you know, kind of instance and incident that really set this off is when we started talking about truce table. <laughs> yes, yes. So so when the idea for truce table had come up, you know, with Akemony, Christina, Michelle, I remember it got put out on the the Past the Mike group and people were going the people were so excited, like by black women, for black women. And then they were like, hey, let's do this crossover episode because they were on our network for the first <laughs> season. Yeah. So like let's do this crossover episode, right? And and at that point we were still ran. So let's do this crossover episode called Gender Apartheid, right? So brilliant. And we're in this hotel room. And I remember looking over at Jamar while we were recording this. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. You know, I could barely contain myself. But I knew as soon as we left, I was like, people are not going to be feeling it's gonna be this. It's going to
1: be a problem. Before that, so we've we've jumped uh, uh, ahead to 2016, 2015, Mid twenty fifteen, June twenty fifteen, all the way up to November twenty sixteen, you see this improbable but inexorable emergence of Donald Trump as the Republican nominee. So I I, I say that because folks think it's just November twenty six. No, it was a year and a half. Oh, absolutely, absolutely of this thing saying, "No, wait, wait a minute, what? This is serious, right? All of that buildup." And then you get to the election. Yes. I remember, it's one of those moments. So like, I remember exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I was in my living room. We were back in the Delta at this point. And um, it was late, late, late. It was probably past midnight. It was dark and came back, you know, they called it. He he won, projected winner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember within days of that, I rec- I don't know where you were or why you weren't on that episode, but... It was it was Bo interviewing me.
0: Yeah, I couldn't be on the episode for some reason. Yeah. And then that was the that was the episode that popped off. That was the episode that popped off. Yeah. And I remember I remember listening to it and I was like there was a particular portion where I was like, oh yeah, they're going to snap on snap." Oh this. yeah, I
1: said I said I didn't feel safe worshiping with, exactly. with white evangelicals that Sunday. And exactly. I nuanced it, and you can go back and listen to it, and blah, blah,
0: blah. Oh yeah, you really but, nuanced it. You know? I mean, I was he's ways... like, man, I know Christ is a chief cornerstone. Yeah, he, was went, he went super gentle. theological. <laughs> <laughs> and people were like, I can't believe this, this is apostate. This but, is this. But that was
1: the, it, it, the theme and the pattern. It right. was something I recorded for us that other people got a hold of and totally ripped it out of our hands. So right. that was when a, a podcaster who shall not be named got a hold of it, did a whole hour long video takedown of what I said and why I was racist. And then his minions all lob, lobbed onto it. And I experienced you know the most acute internet trolling that I had uh, experienced to that point. And it was in person. At my seminary and my church, right,
0: right. So,
1: so that was November. Then we record this gender apartheid episode a few months later, early in 2017,
0: right? Yeah, and and here's what I will say though: at the same time that all this is going on, it is it is shifting away from being reactionary to, um, proactively creating a space for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Because so that is what's going on outside of this, and what's going on outside of this in 2014 is we couldn't find resources for people to respond accurately to Mike Brown and to Eric Garner um, and to Rakia Boyd and to Sandra Bland. We couldn't find people that will respond accurately and empathetically, but we could find that in spaces that were native to us. So we could could find that in the black church. Mm -hmm. We could find that in black activists on the streets. We Mm -hmm. could find that in in black seminaries, we could find that in those spaces because they were the people who were not just speaking out, but had deep, well-developed theology that was prepared for this moment. And so that was something that's going on at the same time. So at the same time, for me personally, I'm reading different things. Mm-hmm. I'm reading more materials than I had read before. And the things that people told me to stay away from were now giving context yes. to what was going on. And it was that I could now see myself in the narrative. I could now see myself not as someone who was subject to the whims of what white reform theologians and people were doing, but now I could create something on my own. And that's key because that was a moment that really gave me the impetus to say, "We can do this without them." Yeah. Yeah, like we can do this without them. After the 2016 election, when the pastor Mike group took off and we started having tremendous dialogue and conversation. And some other things that happened as well that caused it to kind of pop off. And when we started having that, and when we started, I started seeing, I said, oh, no, we can lead these conversations. I mean, we have a podcast that does this already, but we can lead these conversations. We can be a part of pushing and shaping what the future is for Black Christians. And so it wasn't just reactionary. It was actually proactive as well. So now we're saying, let's go back to our our people. Let's go back to the roots. Let's go back to our ancestors. And let's ask some questions and let's see what they said about this. And when you open up these volumes of people and when you start finding people that you never heard of before Mm -hmm. and never, it was a recovery, but it also felt oddly familiar as well. Yeah. Because it felt like home. Right. Right. And I said in that, and this is why I really push a name change was after gender apartheid with True Stable and after people talked about us and all kinds of things happened, and I said, Jamar, we, I'm finding home here. We need to create home for everyone else.
1: Mm. I'm
0: finding home. So how do we create home in a space where people are safe and our people can have conversations and not be subject to constantly explaining, Yes. but we can testify of our own experiences? Yeah. And I remember we had that retreat in Memphis. We were talking about moving, all kinds of things. Yeah, man. And that's when I said, we have to change the name. We have to change the name. We have to change the name. And was like, I don't know. Like, what are we going to call it? What is this? What is that? And then this became like a push-pull for about a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it for a minute,
1: and and you were definitely the one who kept it on our radar. And I'm glad you mentioned that stuff about feeling home and going to these sources that had been sort of informally, culturally forbidden in these reformed and evangelical circles, because that's also the time where I started to get into history as an academic discipline. Right, so right. I took my first grad uh, course in history, fall of 2015, and that was starting to inform my perspective. And then when Black Lives Matter popped off, I'm reading historians talking about origins mm-hmm. of the police force yes, and yes. redlining, and I'm like, wait a minute, all these folks are saying this is an isolated incident, or he got what he would... They don't even know the context, whatever. So, so all of that's building up to, was summer 2017? It was like June when yes. we get together again in Jackson, Mississippi yes. for the retreat. Uh, shout out to Akemini Uwan. She came and facilitated. We got to change,
0: change the name change the name i was that was my thing it, it, it was it was so I, I know i was so annoying to be around because it would be like they were talking about something totally different i'm like yeah but we got to change the name <laughs> like i was like and everybody's like what are we going to change and i could see everyone was like okay we're talking about uh podcast stuff and what events we're going to do and social media and website We got to change the name. And everybody's like, here you go again. We're like, what are we going to have for lunch? Tyler's like, we got to change the name. We got to change the name. Because I felt an urgency because, and I've said this on my my episode of Leave Loud, but uh, I was going to leave if we (laughs) didn't change the name. I was going to find a place. I was going to find a space where I could feel like, and that space was home to me, but I wanted to find a space where we would no longer have to have these particular conversations again. Because I felt like it was restricting our progress to dream and to be something more.
1: That was the thing. we, We were on the defensive and
0: reactive almost constantly. So bro, I have to talk about this milestone of when we stepped out and changed the name and when, you know, people are like, oh, okay, I can I can finally be a part of this. We opened up to so many different yeah, people. Yeah. We
1: were so worried at first. Yes, Who yes. Who are we going to lose? Would the
0: attacks increase? The organization took off at yeah, that point. Yeah, Because I feel like now people are like, oh, okay, I'm not reformed. I've never been reformed. Right. But I've kind of been rocking with y'all, but yes. I didn't know if I could really get involved. I didn't know if this was for me. And so then we go on tour in 2018. 2018, six cities. Six city tour. I remember we originally were like, we're going to go to London. We're going to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you remember that? We said we're we going go to, go to go to London. we going to go to South Africa. We're going to go to Yes. And the budget was like, huh? You going to go where? <laughs> Listen, I think you got any a- go to London money? Was our like, first one Memphis?
1: It was a pop
0: up. Yeah, right? First one was Memphis. It was a pop up. Yes. And it was random. So random. And bro, it was incredible. I feel like we had like a 100 people there.
1: Yeah, the energy in, in, in and the within energy a matter of days. The day room was days. amazing.
0: Yeah. We recorded like three, four episodes. Everybody was all in. We were, people were talking back and forth, all this stuff. And I was like, yo, this is it. And so we went to New York. Um, we Dallas. went to DC, Dallas. Uh, of course, we went to, I mean, Atlanta. basically the best city in the country, Pensacola. Oh, of course. And, yeah. you know, we went to all these places. And I was like, yo, we can do this like and the love that we got
1: the love that we got y'all are amazing it was it was exactly what we needed to give us the confidence to keep going that direction yes
0: yes it was and then i was like man what if we could get all these people together and then that's when joy and justice came in 2019 and there we're skipping a, a whole bunch of stuff but these are just milestones that are so important to us but joy and justice man it was truly 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 one of the transformative moments mm. of my life mm. because i received so much encouragement and it was dynamic this is this is the thing about a conference that i wasn't used to because coming from a pentecostal tradition i'm used to not just us interacting intellectually or cognitively but I, i'm also used to the to the fully embodied sense so it's all emotions dynamic excited um, happy, dancing, sad, crying, mm. uh, clapping, cheering, shouting. I'm used to all of that. And so I'm used to using my entire body. And that was the first time that I had had been able to do that in this space, mm-hmm. in this capacity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we were in my workshop. We prayed for an older gentleman who was in a white church and receiving uh, racial discrimination. And I remember weeping. Like we lay hands on and pray for him. I remember weeping, bro. And then we went and recorded that live podcast episode. (laughs) And then (laughs) we were dancing at the end and we were doing all this stuff. We were shouting and cheering and we were singing this joy that I have. The world didn't give Mm -hmm. it to me and the world can't take it away. And we were listening to incredibly deep content from people like Akemini Uwan and Lisa Fields and BJ and all these. And I'm just sitting back. I'm like, this is it. And people are smiling and we're interacting and it's college students there and it's older folks there. And I'm saying, this is it. This yes. is home. Yeah, This yeah. is home. Absolutely. This is what it means. And that joy and justice conference in Chicago in in a historic space. In a
1: historic black church. In a historic Ebenezer. black church. Yeah,
0: I was like, this is what it is. And also it kind of ties into this idea that I know it's being portrayed like this because we're just we're reflecting and reminiscing. But along the way, we truly were a collective. Mm. This is not about Jamar and Tyler. <laughs> like This is about a collective of people who have come together and did stuff with us that we could never do on our own. I mean, when we met Ali, that was huge. Mm. Like Elodie, it was just mm. huge. A person after person where you take a step back and you say, if this person wasn't connected to us, if this person wasn't a part of it, I don't know where we would be right now, right, you know? Right, right. And that's the dope thing is we're able to see that collective live and in person. Yeah. So the team all
1: along the way has been incredible. It was one of those things. I mean, a lot of us are experiencing this right now. It's like a feeling of church homelessness. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that's really began like all the way back in 2014 and 2015 with Black Lives Matter because I felt alienated from the church where i was interning at where i had been preaching at they even told me not to preach there wow. you know it was it was all the stuff i was wow. going through and so the witness team really became not just my friends, but my church family in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, we prayed together. We talked about the things of God, all of that. And then the Joy and Justice Conference told us that what we were doing and experiencing was tapping into something that lots of other people felt. Yes. And it was so yes. humbling, actually, because there were some folks who who basically looked at the dynamics of our team, and they were like, I want that. I wish yes. I had that Yes, where where I am. Man. And my heart is heavy for that because... I agree, I wish everybody had that ten years, bro, ten years, and we're just getting started. we're really just getting started. I think we're getting better. Foundation witness Inc, yeah, so the campaigns. joint Justice conference that's when Come we announced on, the foundation twenty twenty came the pandemic, but what was so interesting and 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 the racial justice historic racial justice uprisings, what was so interesting was God had prepped us for both of those things, yes. Mm-hmm. So number yes. one, we had been doing the remote thing for our, the whole time. Yeah, our entire existence, really. So we didn't even have to pivot in terms of programming, except we couldn't do like an in-person podcast or a conference, something like that. But everything else, we, we actually already had the infrastructure there to be able to continue to deliver content, which was crucial because during the protests... There were a lot of news outlets, including secular national news outlets that were playing catch up. Right.
0: Of course. they yeah. were
1: caught on their heels. Absolutely. But we had been talking about these dynamics, about race and police brutality and Christianity and all of this stuff, politics. We'd been talking about that for years. So we were set up already poised to respond in a moment of acute national crisis. And so it was... Um, a very difficult year on multiple levels for, for, for all the same reasons everybody experienced, right? Separation from family and friends. You got kids now. You've got somehow have them at home and educate them. Right. The pandemic, you can't travel. All events are canceled. The just, the racial justice uprisings and the resistance to them. All of that was going on. But at the same time, it was a year of affirmation in the sense of, what we were doing was necessary. Yes.
0: Yes. yes. Jamar, you know, it's 10 years, man. There's so much that we could have talked about and said, but if someone said, stand on top of this mountain and look out in the horizon and see where the next 10 years go for the witness. If someone said, can you strain and see what's next? What are the next 10 years? You know, as a founder of an organization, What do you see? What do you see that doesn't exist? What do you see that has yet to be created? And where do you see us going? You know, in a
1: way, we need to trust how God has been faithful in the past as we go forward into the future. So we didn't know 2011, 2012, 2013, how the work we were doing, how these identity crises we were facing were preparing us for things like the Black Lives Matter movement or the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery uprisings, right? I have a sense that that's going to continue to be true. Mm-hmm. And what we need to continue to do is respond to the needs of the moment. I think right now the needs of the moment are for real community. Hmm. Communities are flourishing, as you've put it, um, where people on a large scale have been alienated from the church communities or Christian communities or any kind of community. It could be family that they've called home or that they thought was home. And the thing is that need for community never goes away, even if your community does. Right. So, so I'm wondering with the witness and this collective and this feeling of home, how can we expand that for people? How can we extend that? How can we help facilitate that? That's one thing. Another thing is it's not attractive. It's not fun to talk about, but we have to be built to last.
0: Hmm. hmm.
1: And that means structures and... Fundraising. <laughs> money. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: Organization. Personnel. Yep. Yes. Personnel. Offices. So, you know, we've multiple been... Multiple locations. We've, we've been... We've been... We've Avengers been fueled Tower. by passion. Sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, and it's taken us far. It's just that we have mission-driven people who really believe in what we're doing. And that's great. But... Really, as a nod to them and their faithfulness and their energy and their, you know, willingness to serve, we need to set up this thing for the long term. Mm-hmm. So so that's going to look like, you know, really strategically uh, raising funds, developing, you know, two and three year plans and all that stuff. that. Uh, now we have to start thinking of ourselves, and I'm loath to do this, but as like a real legit organization, <laughs> you know, that does all are, those yeah, things. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, so so that's there, but I think there will continue to be a need, particularly for a, a digital-first, Black-centered,
0: biblically-rooted voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jamar, if I, if somebody asked me to look out in the horizon, I'm, you know I'm churchy, so I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Mm. I see it. I see it. It's in the distance. It's small, but I see it, bro. I see it. I sense and see drought is ending. Hmm. Not just for us, but for black Christians. I think the rain is coming. The harvest is coming. I feel it. I think we've thought that the past couple of years were harvest for us in some areas. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Hmm. That's what I see. I see that in the next two to three years, our organization is going to explode. Wow. I see it. And not for us. It's never been about us. It's been about you. It's been about the people. It's been about a space where black Christians can be free. That's what I see.
1: I would love to issue a very simple call to anybody who's listening right now which is as an action step, as you listen to Tyler and I reflect on 10 years of God's faithfulness to the witness, to this collective. The simple call is to pray. Right after this ends, pray about your role in the collective. God could be calling you to something dramatic. Leaving your church, leaving your job, devoting your gifts, your skills, experience full time to some endeavor that leads to black liberation in the name of gospel freedom. It could be more incremental, a commitment to financially support or volunteer or share the content. I don't know what it is. All I'm saying is, I trust I trust Tyler's prophetic spirit. He's Pentecostal, very in touch. What that means? What the spirit says.
0: <laughs> you can be too. Come on over. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> um, and if, if that's true, you know, if these next couple of years are going to be incredible in a way that we haven't seen before, then I think everybody's going to have to be part of that. I think it's going to take a bigger team. And uh, I don't mean formal staff roles or anything necessarily. We need that too. But I'm just praying, just pray about your role in the collective. Pray about your role in the movement.
0: Yes. 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 That's what it is. Pray
1: about getting free. Pray And, about and if you're free, free, you're free to do what? Exactly. You're free to contribute how? That's it. And I've been saying this again and again and again. We are living in the modern day civil rights movement. If you look back at the 50s and 60s and that movement, the overwhelming conclusion we have to come to is that many Christians were on the sidelines. Hmm. Many people of faith didn't take the step of faith to stand up for freedom, to stand up for liberation. Where will you be found in this modern day movement? That's what I want folks to consider
0: Jay, after 10 years man i think of what the old folks used to sing was that Look where god has brought us look where god has brought us look how far we've come we're My not mind where mind. we ought to be we're not what we used to be but thank you, lord for what you've done 10 years baby amen and amen